Welcome to Ghoul's Night Out with your hostesses, Brandy and Jody. Hello, beautiful ghouls. Welcome. This is Brandy. I'm here with my sister, Jody. Hello. So we did a happy hour this week. Yay. Actually, I did. We did it a little bit different this time. I did the happy hour and Jody has not watched it. So, so I can go in blind. Yes. Yeah, so, um, okay. This time I did the Ghosts of Flight 401. It's on Discovery Plus. And it is about the tragic Eastern Flight 401 plane crash. Um, it was kind of portrayed as a paranormal thing and they did do investigations but it was more it was very anticlimactic and it was more of a history lesson oh basically um also one thing i want to point out is they loved to repeat themselves multiple times in this documentary so if you hear me say things over and over again (laughs) that is why okay i'm just going along with the documentary so, it uh, starts off with a news report showing the crash site of Flight 401, uh, wreckage and bodies scattered over a one-mile radius. The aircraft virtually completely disintegrated. Okay. It uh, uh, shows a newspaper from the Tampa Tribune stating that a jumbo jet has crashed. Then a narrator comes on and states that it is one of the biggest supernatural mysteries of all time. Okay. On December 29th, 1972, Eastern Airlines Flight 401 crashed into the Florida Everglades. 101 souls lost their lives. Soon after... Sorry about the cat. (laughs) Uh, Soon after, ghosts began to haunt the land and other planes. 50 years later, they go to the crash site and try to communicate with these spirits and find out what happened. Um, And then Ron Infantino comes on screen, and he is a survivor of Flight 401. Oh, someone survived it? Yeah, people survived. Oh. Which is nuts. Okay, I'll I'll get into it. Now, Ron, they pissed me off with Ron because I wanted to see more of him. And this is the only part that he was in, which is unfortunate. Um. But he and his wife, Lily, he loved her. It's very sad. Her birthday was on December 7th. They got married on December 9th. They were very happy just starting their new life. She had a job with the school board. They were on their way home to Miami. (laughs) They were home or go, they were on their way home to Miami from their honeymoon in New York on a brand new airplane. They thought it was beautiful, state of the art, loved it. They even, um, you know, were commenting to each other how beautiful this plane was. Uh, then they go to a reenactment, and it seems as though the pilots are having some sort of a problem. Um, and at this point, I think it's the landing gear, but I wasn't sure. So then Ron is back, and he says that the ride was completely smooth. No problems at all. Then he said they had no idea what was going on in the cockpit, and the flight attendants didn't know what was going on in the cockpit. Um, So back to the pilots. They send someone out to look at whatever this problem is. And again, it's a reenactment, so I wasn't sure what was going on at this point. 
Um, and they're trying to fix whatever this is in the cockpit. Um, then the voiceover says they don't know what kind of trouble they're actually in. Everything seems to be going wrong. They're too low, too close to the ground, and then it seems they have crashed. Okay. Uh, the reenactment switches to Ron, and he says he woke up in the Everglades. He was in a seated position in water up to his chin with no clothes on, completely naked, and in complete silence. He did not hear anything. He was naked? Naked. How does that happen? Well, he wasn't the only one that was naked. And I'll, when you hear what actually happened, we'll, we'll talk about that okay. then. The next thing he thought was, oh, oh my God, oh no, we crashed. Like, what the fuck? Uh, Ron would never see his new bride, Lily, again. Uh, 101 souls were left behind that night. And again, he says, oh my God, we crashed. Like, total disbelief. Like, could not believe it. And that was it for Ron. Oh. Uh, unfortunately, like, they, they made it sound like he had this huge story to tell and they never brought him back. I was very upset about that. Hmm. Okay, so now it's present day, 50 years later. They are in the Florida Everglades, just out of my outside of Miami, and we are at the Extreme Aviation Building, which is the investigation headquarters. And we meet Steve Shippey. He's going to the crash site on the eve of the 50th anniversary, and he has assembled a film crew to document the investigations. So on December 29th, 1972, L-1011 departed JFK bound for Miami. For most of the flight, it was unremarkable until just before their final descent. Um, just before landing, there was a problem with the landing gear terminal light. The captain, Bob Loft, was so focused on fixing this light that he didn't realize that he had turned off autopilot and the altitude dropped from 2,000 feet to 900 feet, causing the aircraft to very suddenly crash. This crash changed everything. Um, of the 176 people on board, only 75 survived. Those survivors were traumatized by more than just the crash itself. But in the months after, the locals, flight attendants, and even some pilots started witnessing ghostly apparitions of the people that died in the crash. Where and did they see the <clears throat> see them at? It was on the land uh, where the crash was and on different planes. And I'll get to that. And the paranormal activity hasn't fully stopped. Locals claim to hear screaming in the Everglades at night, feelings of being watched, and full-body apparitions. Uh, then we meet Cindy Kaza. She's also on the team, and she is a psychic medium. Now we're driving with Steve, and he is going to meet Cindy. And this is in an undisclosed location deep into the heart of the Everglades. Um, he knows where the crash site is, but Cindy doesn't, and he wants to see if she picks it up. So they're going in the daylight. Apparently, it's like in the middle of like swamp area. So very dangerous, like animals, you know, um, even in the daylight. Um, he's never investigated actually in water before and is kind of hesitant because it's so dangerous and out in the middle of nowhere. And he says it's an unsettling feeling, especially knowing it's basically a mass grave. Mm -hmm. um, there's over 100 bodies that were left 
you know, there. So they just left him there? They didn't... They, they, they crashed into about a foot of water. Maybe a little bit deeper. And I'll go into that. I wrote it down somewhere later on. But there, some of the plane landed into, like, um, solid areas. And those were the people that survived. Um, a lot of people apparently survived the initial crash, but drown mm. in that small amount of water because yeah. they landed with their face in the water. Yeah. Okay, so Cindy likes... She likes to go in not knowing, you know, much about anything. And she's already feeling dread and can tell a lot of people lost their lives there. He asked her if she knew where the plane crashed. And she points out that the plane crash would be absolutely terrifying to begin with. But out in the middle of nowhere, that's super scary and isolating. It'd be scary just to be there. Exactly. Let alone and the way to, they got there. Exactly. Like, and then to wake up and, oh my God, it'd be terrifying. So she gets to the location. She gets to the location exactly, like right away. She also points out that there were essentially two crash sites, which is true, because there was the actual impact point and then the plane skidded about 150 yards and landed in a different location. And she picked up on that right away. She wants to head closer to where that feeling is pulling her. So they go on land and they start toward the actual crash site. So she is walking towards that way. She's leading them. And again, she gets both locations exactly. Um, he tells her that the plane hit and basically exploded and landed off towards some trees. She says that she's hearing that they need to find all the pieces. And it's a very strange case. She keeps seeing different pieces of the plane. She touches the ground. She hears a woman screaming and crying. Lots of memories in this location. And she thinks that this is a victim of the crash. She keeps hearing there's a motherless child because of her passing. It's very sad. Um, and several, there are several reports of hearing this woman screaming in, in the Everglades. So he asked to try to zero in on the moment of the crash, and she starts talking about the problem with the lights. So um, they heard the landing gear go down. So they, they, you know, activated the landing gear to go down. They heard it go down, but the light didn't come on, indicating that it actually was down. Mm -hmm. That is what they were so focused on. Like, why isn't this light coming on? To indicate that these are down. Yeah. Okay, so she says that there are several things about the crash that have not been made public. Or lies that have been told. And there is more to this story than people think. Um, they they need. She's hearing they need to do a full investigation. And kind of nervous about investigating at night in the swamp. Can't blame them because of mm -hmm. all the you know, animals. And uh, So Steve is now going to meet one of the flight attendants, Mercy to understand exactly what they went through. So the town has not forgotten about these victims and the survivors of this crash, even though it's been 50 years. At the time, it was the biggest crash in U.S. history. Uh, the plane was traveling at 227 miles per hour when it hit the ground. Ooh. It had hit and barreled uh, and rolled three times, just breaking apart as it went. It hit a levee that eventually made it stop in 
about a foot deep of water, again, over a mile radius. Um, Airboat operators and locals came out to help with any of their survivors and helped lead the medical people to the crash site. Can't imagine what the survivors went through. So uh, we finally go meet Mercy to see if we can get an idea of what she went through. So we sit down with Mercy Ruiz. She's a very small older lady, soft-spoken. She was a flight attendant for 22 years with Eastern and started in 1970. She said it was a regular flight. Uh, She did the cabin checks. They sit down. Then she sees the coast of Miami, which means they just flew over Miami, which that's where they were supposed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so she got up and she went to another flight attendant, Patricia or Pat, and asked why they weren't landing. She said they were good friends and says, and she's like, you're always complaining. Go sit down. Like just laughed it <laughs> off. She's like, it's probably just traffic. Like they need to circle around, you know, mm-hmm. not a big deal. So she sat back down. First, she noticed the vibration of the whole aircraft. So the whole aircraft started vibrating. And the pilot tried to lift the nose up when they realized how low they were. Um, She said the lights flashed from the front of the aircraft all the way to the back. So like one after the other. Mm -hmm. And then the whole thing went completely dark. Then she remembers a tremendous twist of the plane. So the plane did a 360-degree turn and then disintegrated, totally shredded. Wow. When she woke up, she felt as if everything was moving in slow motion, like I can kind of imagine. I mean, obviously can't, but oh, my God. Yeah. She said she felt hot on her back, and then she realized it was blood. She was found by this woman. Okay, she kept saying Beverly. I I wasn't sure again at the time, but I thought it was another flight attendant, which I later found out that it was. Uh, So she knew there was fuel everywhere and was trying to warn everybody not to light matches, Mm. just in case. Um, So Beverly found a baby, which is the baby that they think that this mother is crying about. Yeah. Um, And she brought the baby to Mercy. It was an 11-month-old boy, and he had lost both of his parents in the crash. This boy was also naked. Okay. Now, I'm not sure why. I'm thinking maybe with the force of the crash and I don't I don't I don't know, but like multiple this is the second person that was naked afterwards, which is totally fucking weird to me. I could see like shredded. Yeah, but I can't see totally gone. I know. Where did it go? I know. And that's why they should have talked to Ron more. Because why were you naked, sir? (laughs) (laughs) You know? I mean, what the fuck? I want to talk to Ron. (laughs) So it almost makes me think of, was it aliens that caused the crash? Like, it took certain people... Like, they abducted him or whatever and did whatever. I don't know. And then didn't put their clothes back on. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's so weird. Okay. So, let's. Okay. So, Beverly was trying to find people, but it was so dark. Um, I would assume she's probably at least sore. 
you know, yeah. after a fucking plane disintegration around her. Um, but she started singing Christmas carols to try and help everybody in the situation. Oh, my God. Uh, Mercy made me want to kill myself. I, I know. Mercy said it was fantastic. <laughs> she said um, they could hear the helicopters, but they couldn't land because they were in a marsh. There were a lot more survivors, but ended up drowning because they landed, you know, in the water. Um, she landed on solid ground and stated that she was very lucky because she landed on solid ground. Two flight attendants didn't make it. Patricia and Stephanie. They were they were just unconscious and landed with their faces in the water. So mm-hmm. they ended up drowning later. Uh, Mercy and Beverly were the other two flight attendants that survived. There have been several changes in pilot training resulting from this crash because they just weren't paying attention. And it costs the pilots their lives as well. So Bob Loft, the captain, died on site. The co-pilot bled out and the engineer survived but later died in the hospital. Hmm. So Eastern Airlines didn't want the passengers or crew to talk about the strange things that were reportedly happening on the flight. After the accidents, uh, some employees claimed to see ghosts. She has a few things that she had brought out. And the first is her suitcase that she had. And it was the only suitcase that was recovered intact. She also had a camera in that bag. And she said that she took a bunch of pictures with that crew because um, they may have been moved all around on December 31st and it could have been their last flights together. Mm. Crazy. So she ended up taking a lot of pictures of the flight attendants. On one of the pictures, two of them were being messed with in the picture. In one, Mercy is giving her little horns and... The other is, like, pretending to choke the other flight attendant, which is funny in the picture. um, But Mercy doesn't think that's a coincidence because those were the two that died, which is kind of crazy. She says it appears as if they were marked. Um, And it was the last photos taken of these ladies, and the crash happened only hours after those photos were taken. Uh, So Steve asked to use the camera And she says he can, and he can take the photo along with him, which, again, they never bring up this camera again, so he doesn't end up using it. I think he ends up bringing it to the investigation, but never uses it. Mm -mm. So now Steve is going to meet with Elizabeth Fuller. She's a paranormal researcher and expert on this case. So back in 1976, she began working on a book with her husband, John Fuller. He says... He says it's an infamous book called Ghosts of Flight uh, 401. She also wrote another book on her own years later, also about this case. He wants to sit and discuss the paranormal experiences after the crash. Elizabeth was a flight attendant for seven years. Northwest and Eastern Airlines in various cities shared crew lounges. So shortly after the crash, she would start hearing stories just hanging around these lounges in between flights. And she said that on a flight, a writer was asking about the ghosts of Flight 401. So she went to talk to him and met John, which John Fuller is her husband now. So he hired her as a research assistant for these stories. And they talked to several, she said, normal people (laughs) um, that... Uh, about that had stories of seeing these ghosts. Mm-hmm. One flight attendant said that she was getting a bag down for a passenger and saw a face. 
and like freaked out. Then it disappeared. She went to report it and she was told she could not report that. And this wasn't the only sighting. Are these on different airplanes? Yes. Okay. So I've heard of, I wonder if this is the same one. I've heard this story before about a plane crash and they used parts from the plane that crashed on different airplanes. Yes. And these airplanes are having paranormal activity. That's this case. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, So a passenger stated that she was looking out the window and she was the only one in her row. And when she looked back, there was a man in a pilot uniform sitting next to her and then just vanished. Steve said that he understands why the crash site might be haunted but by these victims, but why were all the reports coming from onboard other planes? Mm-hmm. Elizabeth stated that only the planes that salvaged parts from the wreckage had any reports of seeing strange things or ghosts. Yep. Uh, so they took non-structural parts from the crashed plane and put them on other planes. Yes, they did. They fucking did this. Um, The direct cause of these reports. That's just bad energy. Yeah. Period. Definitely. So dozens and dozens of other planes with these reports of paranormal activity. Like dozens. There were cockpit cabin logs that pages were ripped out of or completely replaced. Um, They were terrified of this getting out to the media and to the public. They didn't want the airline to be associated with any paranormal activity. Crew members feared coming out with their stories because they were afraid of losing their jobs at this point. So they were. I guess they should have thought about that before they used plane wreckage. I know. On other planes. Oh my God, I know. Uh, So they they ended up removing all of the repurposed parts of this plane. Um, No one knows where these parts went, Um, but also the, the hauntings stopped. No way. Um, He also gets items from the crash from Elizabeth to use on the investigation. She also tells him that she knows a flight attendant that may, that he may want to talk to that has some experiences. So Steve and Cindy ready, they're ready to conduct their first investigation. Again, very dangerous, dark, not ideal. Uh, So they arrive and Steve gets his items out that he got from Mercy and Elizabeth and wants to start with those And Cindy wants to do an automatic writing session, so she will use imagery, basically. So Steve sets up all of his stuff, and Cindy starts as well. Um, One thing about their investigations that I want to point out is they were never together, and they always went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in between them. Mm -hmm. So that's why (laughs) I did it like that. So just bear with me. Okay, so Cindy starts and says that there is a lot of spirits that are attached to this place. Steve has everything set up on um, on a table. He has a REM pod, EMF detector, and he wants to just get a reading on these these items. So they're apparently they're on land, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Do they ever go out in a boat? No. The okay. only time that they were in a boat was when they were heading out to the crash site. Okay. Um, otherwise it's very marshy and like I said there's about a foot of water but there are some solid ground spots so it's not like they're traveling a lot they're pretty much staying Mm -hmm. in one area 
So Steve does an EVP session and he gets the name Charles and then the EMF detector goes off. He starts trying to communicate with Charles and gets a full sentence. Um, and it says, I was the one who died in the plane crash. And I put bullshit, question mm, mark, because... That's awfully specific for a yes, ghost, yes. parentheses. And all of the EVPs they got were, like, full freaking, like, clear as day full I mean, yeah. I mean, you watch so many, you know, ghost shows or whatever. And, yes, I know, not they're not all real yeah you know but the evps i think those are that is what they caught because it's usually a word yeah or maybe a couple words very 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 rarely is it a full-on sentence that you can understand exactly and most of the time those one or two world words are kind of garbled so like you can't actually you can tell it's a voice and you can tell it's a word but like you can't actually understand usually yeah like you have an idea of what they might have said it's not very clear usually so i was kind of like i don't know Mm -hmm. about that so cindy is back with the screaming woman seems very strong then it goes back to steve with the geoport and he gets charles again and the geoport is where it's like the white noise and like the voices mm-hmm. come out. Those are so creepy to me. I, they are. I don't like that noise. I know. I don't either. I don't either. I'm glad they changed it. Have you noticed that it's like. Like just bare noise. Like like they, silence and then the voices come out. Yes. I don't like that. that I like scares that better. Me. No, that scares me more than. With oh, the, no. I don't. I don't know. I don't like that white noise thing. Well, he had the one where it's like nothing and just like random voices come out at you that creeps me out uh so cindy they go back to cindy and says that the woman told her that she could see her baby and was screaming and crying for him but no one could hear her or see her and she couldn't help anyone she said it was awful which poor thing if she's stuck in that time and she can't find her baby Mm. oh my god that's terrible yeah And we go back to Steve talking to the Geoport and gets lots of responses, lots of help us. Also, the electronic devices are going nuts. And they're out in the middle of, like, nowhere. Mm -hmm. So, like, an overload of energy in the middle of a freaking swamp. So, Cindy's back with another spirit, and she thinks it's the engineer. Says that he thinks it's all his fault. She says that someone has communicated with him other than at that location and says that he's trying to apologize for what happened. And we go back to Steve, getting lots of responses, asks for Don, which is the engineer, and gets an answer. And that was the end of the first investigation. You want to go ahead and stop? Okay, so day two, Steve shares his EVPs with Cindy, and Cindy shares her experience. She tells him about the mother that she kept hearing, and she said that, she had her baby but couldn't hang on anymore. Uh, the baby, baby survived, but the mother didn't. When the surviving boy, Miguel, was found, he didn't have any clothes on and was found in the water. So they wrapped him up in a coat from Eastern Airlines. Like, think of a worker's coat. Mm-hmm. Um, she also brings up the engineer 
Steve tells Cindy that Don Repo, which is the engineer, is the ghost that is seen most often by people. He's the one that's reported the but most. He wasn't the cause. He wasn't the reason it went down. Right? It was the pilot. He he is taking responsibility because the light for the landing gear didn't come on. That's so. That I mean, it, that's part of the engineer's job. You know what I'm? Yeah, like to make but sure the plane is. I I don't I think it was because it was a brand new airplane and they were just I it was just a, a series of mistakes. So it's just guilt. Yeah, Mispla- exactly. Misplaced guilt. Exactly. Okay. So um also people who knew him said that he would be the type of person that would take responsibility for that and be left with the guilt. Hmm. So that was the type of person he was. Cindy also got the word repurpose in her reading, and Steve explains how the parts were used in other airplanes. Because the ground was so soft in spot in some spots, some of the plane parts were perfectly intact and very expensive. So they decided to use what they could, resulting in other planes having unexplained experiences. That's uh, just Cindy, crazy to me. I know. That's so fucked up. Like, energy is fucking real. Like, mm-hmm. that... It's crazy. So Cindy says that clearly these spirits are trying to tell them something since they are showing up in different places. So she wants to see if she can figure out why. Uh, So Cherie, the one who Mercy knew, the flight attendant for Eastern, um, she worked there for over 20 years and thinks she had an encounter with the ghost of Dawn. So Steve meets up with her. So this is day three. Meets with Cherie and... Never came out publicly publicly with her stories. 47 years of flying and 25 years with Eastern. After she heard of the crash, she asked about the cockpit crew and she knew the captain. He was with the airline for over 30 years and she was on a flight, put her suitcase away and then saw a big cloud of smoke that grew and grew and then disappeared. She believed it was Dawn trying to tell her something was wrong. Several people she knew said that they had seen him. And she said at first, some would talk about it and some wouldn't. And then all of a sudden, no one would talk about it at all. Not a word. She thinks that it was because of the company. Um, Cherie was boring. Mm. So that was all of her. Uh, Steve is back now and says that he has a window from the plane he was going to use. He didn't tell Cindy about it and wants to see if these spirits are actually attached to the parts of the plane and sees if she picks this up. So Cindy starts the reading and says that she will just go with what she gets, basically. And then she says, I keep looking out of the pilot's front window. I'm definitely in the cockpit. Steve stops her right there and tells her she's right and shows her that it is a window from the cockpit. Then she says, um, think about the energy that this holds, especially when they realize the mistake that was being made. Horrifying. Mm-hmm. She, that just, And they were looking probably at that piece of glass when they realized this. Yeah. Um, so now they are at a historical society, not haunted, Um, sets up the devices around to see if they can get anything picked up, do an EVP session. They ask for Dawn with no answer. Asks if they were 
in the cockpit during the crash and they get an answer again an EVP that says this is from the crash site that's what the EVP says yes so they continue with the session not getting much more they had the camera um, you know the camera that was that's supposed to pick up the stick figures yeah they use that um, and the SLS SLS camera yeah I think that's like right that. yeah that sounds right so they're getting something on that Cindy says that there's definitely a haunting but not anything harmful and they are connected to the parts of the plane Don can travel so he isn't stuck in that spot but he is on earth apparently so Steve drops Cindy off and meets, meets with a local who had an experience close to the crash site he said he knows Cindy wants to know as little as possible, so she leaves, and we meet Tim. So Tim was a kid out with his friends, and they heard a lady scream vividly, like really loud. So they start looking for where this is coming from, and they didn't see anything, but said they could still hear her, and they then they found parts of this plane. Mm. Tim then starts talking about another plane crash, in the same vicinity and Steve doesn't know anything about this um, so he does some research so Tim says that he doesn't even know if this plane was recovered it went straight into the mud it was value jet flight 592 in 1996 uh, so Steve and Cindy go to see an aviation expert Benny who can give them a little bit more information about it uh, this was due to a massive fire that was consumed, uh, that, that consumed the aircraft. Different circumstances, but crashed very close together, about a mile separation from these two crashes. I don't think I'd want to ride on a jet that was called Value. <laughs> a value Jet? Value Jet. <laughs> yeah, not, not a great name. No. Uh, so also back in the 1940s, there was a U.S. Navy Flight 19 doing a very routine trip. Six planes took off and were never seen again. They, did, uh, they were communicating just fine. They did report that their compasses were, were skewed and they didn't know where they were or where they were going. The instruments were not acting right. They were second-guessing their instruments and then everything just cut off. All the planes cut off, and they were never seen again. All the planes? All the planes. This area is very close to the Bermuda Triangle. Oh. So Steve asks if there are any other high-energy sources or any lore surrounding that area. Benny asks if they had ever heard of Coral Castle. He says that he has heard many stories about strange things and mysterious magnetic energy surrounding that area. And if you look at the radius of the crashes, it's within proximity to this one site. Uh, so Steve and Cindy talk about Coral Castle. It, it may be some weird energy source connecting all these incidences and also the northwest corner of the Bermuda Triangle starts in Miami. Mm. So, Coral Castle is a very bizarre and some say mystic site. The creator, Edward, secretly built it from 1923 to 1951. 
Supposedly, he was driven by some sort of energy source and truly believed that this site had great power. He carved out a thousand tons of coral rock to create it. Uh, They got permission to investigate the coral castle. So Cindy is going to see if she can communicate with the spirits from the plane crash to see if their connection, uh, see if there's a connection, and if so, why. So at Coral Castle, Cindy starts doing some channeled art, kind of like the automatic writing, but drawing pictures. And she says, you know, what just comes out. So Steve sets up all of his toys, and they're all going like nuts. Uh, Cindy hears Charles again, and Steve is asking for Dawn. He says that there's so much energy and activity. He gets voices from the geoport. They ask how many spirits. They get everywhere. They get bodies everywhere. Um, Cindy said that she hears building roads pushed the flow of water that disrupted the stream of energy, and that's why all of this is happening. Say that again. So building roads on land pushed the flow of water that disrupted the stream of energy. That's why the Bermuda Triangle is the Bermuda Triangle. Because of roads. Because Because the energy was messed with, basically. Well, if that was the case, that would be happening all over the world. Exactly. But this area is supposed to be highly mystic, and I don't know. Okay. Uh, the energy is causing the crashes. And I put geoport, vo- geoport voices so creepy, because <laughs> they are. Uh, crazy activity still. Steve starts to feel disoriented. Cindy is also feeling a, a building of energy. Mm -hmm. Cindy says that as soon as she got there, she felt that Edward, the creator of the castle, communicated with the dead and was a medium. She thinks that the spirits guided him to build it and all the locations are connected. They think that there's definitely they've definitely communicated with the spirits from Flight 401 and the energy is affecting them and the equipment. They got to go back to the crash site. So... 75 planes and hundreds of ships that have entered the area of the Bermuda Triangle are never heard from or seen again. Strange energy source that can cause a series of malfunction of radar, sonar, and other electrical systems causing a series of disasters throughout history. Going back to the Everglades to see if their theory about all these things being connected is correct. Basically, one of the things... Oh, I'll get to that. Never mind. Okay, so day four, they're back at the crash site. They ask for Don again and immediately get Repo, which is his last name. Um, And it's pretty clear, which Repo is easy. Like, I could see them getting one word, not full sentences. Yeah. Um, Cindy hears the people need to know what's happening here. They aren't getting it right. You don't understand what's happening on this land. Then they play the last moments from the cockpit, which was never released, and they're playing it, you know, like, out. They're like, um, and they get some voices from the geoport confirming that they recognize the recording. Um, The geoport says black box, 
and the energy is keeping them there. There's basically a vortex. So Cindy states that a lot of people feel the vortex and it can create confusion, which can also account for some of the incidences. Um, so this energy is affecting them, in other words. So mm. maybe that's why they were so focused on this stupid light. You know, like they, mm. they just confused them. And then the energy around them, you know, so it just a series of shit, you know, yeah, that causes it. So Cindy feels like the spirits are trapped and this is all the Bermuda Triangle is like a vortex and Coral Castle is actually feeding energy to the Bermuda Triangle. And it's just like all fucked up. Um, they ha- they hear help me help over and over again on the geoport. Energy is building. Everything's connected. She basically says you can't fix energy. You can't change a vortex. And they want to find a way to help these spirits. So they do a soul rescue, which it was, again, very anticlimactic. It was just them, like, bowing their heads and, like, nothing great. <laughs> so the last day, they just basically wrap things up. They discuss everything that, that, that they found. They did feel as though they made a difference and they felt the energy change a little bit, which I don't know how. They just said that they couldn't fix it. Mm-hmm. They did have a plaque made and placed at the crash site for all the victims and had all the people, um, like the survivors that they had met, meet there and place the plaque and everything. So that was basically it. Just that that was how it ended. Okay. I thought it was interesting. It was interesting, but it was more of a history lesson to me than it was a paranormal. Yeah, but I just the, um, because like I said, I've heard of this before yeah on it like podcasts and stuff oh yeah where you know they obviously tell the story of the crash but it was mainly since it was a paranormal podcast talking about the parts that they salvaged and used for other planes and people were having yeah experiences on those planes that's crazy I didn't realize, though, that they took it off and it, everything stopped. Yeah. That's crazy to me. I, the crazy, like, where, what did they do with those parts? I want to know. What Someone they knows where they are. Yeah. Someone, they're somewhere. Someone knows where they are. It's crazy, though. But, yeah, I mean, that that was, and honestly, the most interesting part was the very beginning with Ron. I want to know yeah. why he was naked. What is it's that? It's like I said, I understand he was in a plane crash and, you know, high wind and, you know, you're getting knocked around and and all that. But you would still have, at least I would think, but I would think that you would still have something on you. Like the collar of your shirt or something. Yeah, Yeah. something. Because you've got to, you know, you've got socks, you got shoes, you got underwear, you got pants, you got shirt. And back back in the day, men usually had an undershirt right. and then a shirt. And then usually like a sports coat. Yeah. yeah. So I, I The baby was naked too. Yeah, I don't get that. That's yeah, that's crazy. That's the weird part for me. Yeah, that is really weird. That's why I'm like, okay, what what happened? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I hate I hate not knowing. Why were people naked? 
how does that happen? I know. I know. I was very excited when Ron was on at first. I was like, oh, my God, what? And then they were talking about how it was like one of the most mysterious, you know, happenings in history. And I was like, holy shit. And then they like dropped. That was it. I was like, what the fuck? So, yeah, it was very strange. You know, that specific parts were very strange. the, The naked part makes me think that something else was going on. I mean, highly possible. I don't know. We don't know shit. No. We don't no, know anything. We don't. Nobody knows. No. And that's what irritates me about some of the, the shows. I think I've told you this before. Where people get on and they they talk like they know. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm sorry. You don't. No, you're not supposed to know. Nobody knows. No. Nobody knows. People have ideas. And that's why it's fun to talk about. Yeah. That's why we could talk about it for hours because it's like... You don't know. Yeah. What if it's this? What yeah. if it's that? What, you know? Yeah. That's one thing. But when you go on a podcast or a TV show and you're sitting there talking like. Like you, you are know. explaining to these people. What's yeah. That? Yeah. No. No. You know. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Seriously? You don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, I was I was hoping for a little bit more. Yeah. They're unexplained or paranormal. Definitely done better ones, I yeah. think. But it was, I don't think it was bad. I think it, it was, was good. It was very interesting to learn about all, I mean, you know, just plane crashes that we didn't know happened in that same area. It's freaking nuts. I like um, it when we do the shock docs. I do too. I really enjoy them, but I, I, I don't want it to suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? I want it to be just like the... The freaking, the last one that we did, when it turned into this weird underground crap, you know? What was it? I don't even, we were in uh, some town that was closed down. Oh, hell town. Yeah. It turned into something fucking weird that ended up being, you know, it was just like, eh. Although that is a real town. Uh, Yeah. Remember that, uh... Someone wrote in and lived right Oh, there. yeah. Yeah. So. I still want to do, because I don't think we did, that one, um, oh, God, that one documentary is so fucking creepy. Is it The Scream Killers? No. We watched it a long oh, time ago. Oh, The Blackwell Ghost? It, we watched it before that one. It was that really scary um, one. Mr. No Face? Yes. I think we talked about that. We can't do that on the podcast. We can't. Do you remember that documentary? Vaguely. I remember a it was, crap out of it. It was a end. complete build up to the very last second where they showed this picture, which the picture was fucking creepy as shit. Or the video, whatever it was. Yeah. And it was a full body apparition of something. But that was it. Um, we can't do a podcast on that. Did we do one on Blackwell Ghost? No. Maybe we should do one on that. I can totally. That was good. That was really good. And I don't remember. I will totally do that. I remember. I loved it. It was great. It was great. But I don't remember what happened. Oh, wait. Is that the one where they go to the house and they stay there? Him and his wife? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one was good. It was really good. I can totally do that one. That one would be worth doing a whole podcast on. Yeah. 
But yeah, the, Mr. No Face or whatever it was called, Ghost No Face or something. I think it was Mr. No Face. You just need to, they need to watch it. Yeah, you're right. Plus, you have to see it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like the Blackwall Ghost, I can totally describe everything that's happening mm. because it's, you can't actually see anything on there. It's like the fire alarm goes off and then they see smoke and then the ball moves. Don't, don't talk about it, Jane. <laughs> we got to do a podcast on it. Anyway. Spoiler alert. For the future. But yeah, watch Mr. No Face. That is a real, oh, it's a it great so one good. to watch. Not do a podcast on. Yeah, you're right. Seemed like there was another one too, but I, I don't remember what it was. I Around that time, I watched The Blackwell Ghost Mr. No Face, and I watched The Demon House all, like, oh. that same time Wasn't frame. there a second Blackwell ghost? Yeah, there's, like, four of them now. Oh, is there? Yeah, but the first one's the best. Oh. I think I watched the second one, and it wasn't nearly as good. Hmm. But, yeah, I can totally do that. That one would be fun to do. Well, maybe we'll do that in, like, a month or so. Sounds good. I will totally do that. If you guys want, if you don't want me to do happy hours, let me know. That... Or if you do want us to do happy hours oh, yeah. and you have a suggestion, perfect. That let would be us great. know. Yeah. If you guys have seen or want to see or like don't have time to watch it, I'll watch it and tell you all about it. Let me know. Totally. Because I have spare time on my hands. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was also going to kind of warn you that... Twitter might be imploding, and you might have to find a witty wrap-up replacement. Oh, no. Elon Musk has ruined it. Oh, no. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> a lot of people are are jumping ship from Twitter, I think. They'll replace it with something. Yeah, you find something. Oh, well. People are probably getting tired of the funny tweets anyway. No, those are great. They were funny. Yeah. People are funny. They are. In general, yeah, people can be funny. All right. Well, I think that's it. All right. Well, if you guys have any suggestions or if you have any stories, you can send them to ghoulsnightoutpodcast at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook, request to join the group, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And we will talk to you next week. Later. Bye.